KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Last week's Women's World Cup win by Spain was the most watched soccer match in the United States that did not include a U.S. team. WNBA highlights are pretty much a staple now of any sportscast. Almost across the board, people are talking about women's sports in ways they never have before. I think the combination of the pandemic, the, the desire, the craving for content, the explosion, of course, of social media in the last decade, we have sort of this perfect storm that no one really could have anticipated even five years ago. Dr. Julie Lanzillo is the program director and associate professor of sports management and sports business at Newman University. She says we're in a new age of women's sports. We have a new generation of sport fan. And I think you also have a stronger investment from the media side of producing a better quality production that together makes it interesting. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In Depth, we talk about what's driving the shift in interest and what this all means for the future of women's sports. How would you characterize the explosion in women's sports? over the last decade or so? I haven't seen any really strong empirical evidence to point to why, but, you know, there's certainly been talk about all kinds of reasons why. I mean, certainly COVID has done a lot for different elements of the sport industry. Certainly the collectibles side of things exploded again. NIL really reached its initial peak in uh, 2022, right, after all of that legislation, if you want to call it that, kind of cleared the way in 2021. You started to see NIL become amazingly popular and women were really taking advantage of it. And so I think that comes into play. I think that the hunger that we as a global sports consuming society had for content in 20 and 21 and 22 had to have a play in it as well. I think that also when you have major news stories, you have the 50th anniversary of Title IX was last year, good, bad, or otherwise, you had Brittany Griner imprisoned. And, you know, that was a constant headline in, in the news, both sports and, and non-sport news. You had Sue Bird's retirement. You had, uh, you know, the Williams sisters. You had all of these things happening. And I think just simply more conversation around women's sports is only going to fuel more interest in women's sports. The one thing about women's sports, and I've talked about this with other people, that I was surprised up until now, you have so much money in sports on the men's side and, you know, paying all this for rights fees and stuff like that. It seemed to me, you looked at women's sports, WNBA, women's soccer, across the board, there was so much potential for growth. Even if you were looking at this not from an equity, not from an athletic standpoint, purely from a cynical business standpoint, it's kind of amazing to me that it took this long because there was so much room to grow and plant your flag in women's sports, no? Oh, for sure. And I think it's one of those things, right? The analogy I've been using with people is the idea of like, what's the next big booming stock, right? Or what's the penny stock that's going to explode? And so I think when you look at women's sports, sure. It's undervalued now, meaning that now's a good time to buy, right? You buy low and you sell high. Men's sports from a broadcast and streaming and media rights perspective is, is nuts. And so women's sports provides a fantastic venue. It's becoming more popular in terms of fan consumption. 
And so it's available at a bargain price, if you want to call it that, for corporate partnerships and other entities, enterprises that want to use women's sports as a venue to reach their audience. And so I think that that's why you're seeing this increased investment. To go along with that, I'm curious your thoughts. Do you think the audience has always been there and people have just been slow to give them what they want? Or do you think it's an audience that that has developed over the last few years as there's been more and more talk? I think it's both, Matt. I think part of it is when you look at a lot of the women's sports fan data, you're finding that it's that diverse, you know, more interested in equitable types of fans. You're also looking at it's a younger group. And as a result, it becomes a demographic group that a lot of advertisers are keen on getting in front of. So I think that's a perfect marriage there. But I think you also have to look at just the evolution of how we have portrayed women's sports, just simply from the the technology side, right? If you watched a women's basketball game 10, 15 years ago versus a men's, never mind the players on the court, the quality of the production was different, okay? So now when you're seeing that a, a WNBA or a women's NCAA basketball or softball game has comparable attention paid to the quality of the production, you know, I think that becomes also a, a, a key contributor. So I think it's a few things. I think it's we have a new generation of sport fan, and I think you also have a stronger investment from the media side of producing a better quality production that together makes it interesting. And then it also goes back to just simply more attention in general, like we mentioned in that first question about women's sports being in the headlines and not buried on the proverbial back page. You mentioned name, image, likeness earlier. One of the things that's fascinating to me, I think a lot of people thought when that started to bubble to the front that, all right, well, this is how the quarterback from Alabama or the point guard from Kentucky, this is going to be how they finally are able to, to get money before they get pro. One of the fascinating things for me is that I remember at one point, and I don't remember when it was, but like eight of the top 10 NIL athletes as far as how much money they were making were female athletes and sure. it was in sports you didn't necessarily think were going to be outlets like what do you think is behind that and just kind of talk a little bit about how interesting that is yeah so i, I agree it's i think i i don't want to say i saw it coming but it doesn't surprise me right when you think about how female athletes have been portrayed over the last 30 40 50 years there was always a concern that you know there was an over-sexualization of female athletes. And so, you know, you can take either side of the debate on that, whether you agree that the female athletes should do that or should not do that. But let's face it, when they have an opportunity now to generate revenue, why not look at any potential opportunity, right? That allows them to to generate revenue while they're while they're actively playing in the NCAA and therefore relevant. Social media is the big driver of this, pure and simple, right? Most of the NIL deals are coming through social media in terms of the followership that these athletes already had. You know, a lot of these female athletes were already in the significant number of, of followers. And so that, that also fueled the interest for entities to want to partner with them. You know, they already had an audience. They were, you know, think about you know, any professional sports team trying to engage with a corporate partner, they're trying to say, hey, we have an audience 
of fans that you that you want to attract. The same thing is true here. These female athletes already had an audience on social media, whether it was talking about something related to the sport that they were doing or something entirely different. They had created a strong following organically and corporate partners were seeing that. So I think that it's not shocking that that females are in that top space because it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be playing basketball, but it's just showing you that, again, female athletes have a following. They had a following before NIL became something they could capitalize on. And, and now that it's here, it's not surprising to me that, that they're in the top 10 consistently. It's interesting to me. I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's not really tongue-in-cheek. I think women's sports hit a real threshold when during the NCAA tournament, there was that whole situation with LSU and Iowa and Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese. And uh, I think Caitlin Clark made the gesture, put a ring on the finger, and then LSU beat him and Angel Reese did it. And there was a whole news cycle on all the talking head shows about who was right, who was wrong, you know, however you want to get behind it. But I thought to myself, Women's sports has really arrived because we have spent an entire news cycle talking about nothing, specifically with women's sports as the driver. Like, this is something we would spend days on if it was an NFL situation, you know, fill in the blank name, team, whatever the gesture, whatever the situation was. It was really the first time for me where we were taking this thing that really meant nothing that happened in a game and everybody had a take on it from all sides. I don't mean this like flippantly, but I thought that's like a big step because that really shows how you've entered the zeitgeist when every talking head show on ESPN is talking about this, something outside of the game. Oh, I agree. And it, not only something outside of the game, but something universal outside of the game, right? Like 10 years ago, we wouldn't have that conversation about two female basketball players, but we would have had it about two guys in the NBA. So what I loved when that all happened was, ju- was what you just described was that the talking heads on all of the sports networks, you know, everyone, all the armchair experts at home on their, on their Facebook page were chiming in on this. And it wasn't about a female athlete's body image or, hey, they're a mom and they can still play at a high level. It was none of that. It was talk about being intense athletes in the moment, trash talking on the court, which is not something that we normally talked about female athletes doing. So I loved every minute of that. Are we living through the the biggest growth in female sports since maybe the initiation of Title IX? You know, I think that different times in in our, our history have had different peaks, right? And I think what we have now is definitely one of them. It's hard to say if it's the biggest, but I think that because we have so much need for content, whether it's on social or, you know, the 4,000 media outlets that exist now to try to find content for sports that we didn't have 40 years ago, does that drive it? Hard to say if this is the biggest one, but it certainly is one. I think the combination of the pandemic, the, the desire, the craving for content, the explosion, of course, of social media in the last decade, the NIL era that we find ourselves in, we we have sort of this perfect storm that no one really could have anticipated even five years ago, that all of these things would happen over the last 36 months. So 
I think we're in a in a great moment because of all of the things we've talked about here today. It's hard to imagine a bigger moment, but of course, you know, those things always remain to be seen. But this is a significant one, and I think it's great in general for for all entities involved. And uh, I'm excited to see how this continues to unfold because I don't think we've we've realized all of it yet. You know, NIL is still new, and it's you know inventing itself kind of as it goes. We need to take a break. We will have more with Newman University's Dr. Julie Lanzillo right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio in depth discussing the explosion in women's sports in the U.S. with Dr. Julie Lanzillo of Newman University. Given everything we've discussed, do you think over the next five, 10 years, we are going to see a significant uptick in professional leagues, expansion of already existing leagues? It, it just feels like we are in a moment where uh, maybe you and I talk a decade from now and there's maybe a dozen new teams in the WNBA from from now. Maybe that's a little extreme, but you really feel like this drumbeat. Like, there's been a consistent drumbeat. Why isn't there a WNBA team in Philadelphia for several years now? And I, it's a legitimate question because I, you know, it's easy to say when I'm not writing the checks, but it, it seems like it, this is a place that should have one. But do you, do you think we're going to see an explosion in professional franchises, uh, you know, based on women's sports? I'm not sure I would use the word explosion. I think you're going to see growth. And, and I think there's a difference there, right? Growth is growth and explosion is significant growth. I don't know about that. I mean, the, this, the Philadelphia WNBA debate is an interesting one. I think a lot of that boils down to the fact that the, the Sixers don't own their arena. And so they're, you know, they're not capturing any corporate sponsorship and revenue in that capacity. So a WNBA team coming in and playing there, I think is a little different. But I do believe growth is coming, and I think it's all fueled by the things that we talked about. I don't think there's one particular reason. I think it really is this interesting, timely convergence of a lot of different factors that have made women's sports in the last 12 to 18 months remarkably more popular than in the preceding several years. And with so much of this happening so fast, could we see or do you expect to see mistakes made as far as, you know, maybe growing too fast, stuff like that? Like, because I feel like in a lot of cases we're putting, you know, what in male sports built over 50 years, it feels like it's coming in, you know, five, six, seven years on, on the women's side. Uh, should we be on the watch out? And I don't mean nefarious, but just good faith mistakes to be made. Absolutely. I mean, you can look at mistakes in the last 20 years in men's professional sports, right? Look at the explosion of Major League Soccer in the last 10 years. But what a lot of people don't remember is 20 years ago, there were a couple of teams that existed that they eventually just dissolved. Uh, there was a team in Tampa they got rid of. There was a team in Miami a long time ago that they got rid of. Um, and of course, now we have a team in Miami again. So, you know, professional men's sports have made mistakes. I mean, you know, you have Obviously, teams in Major League Baseball that have relocated, um, you know, the, the Expos went to, to Washington, you know, the, the Oakland A's and the San Francisco Giants for years were, were used as teams to try to go to different places and, and cities would try to lure them by building stadiums, you know, in, in their metropolitan areas. So I think mistakes are common in, in business. Uh, you certainly try to avoid them. 
but to your point, yeah, I would anticipate that there would be some mistakes that, you know, you, you can always anticipate that maybe there'd be an appetite for something in a particular city and it just doesn't work. And so then, you know, you, you step back and you redirect. And so I don't think it's typically something that you would expect simply from a, a growth in women's sports. We've certainly seen it in the last 20 years in, in men's sports at the professional level. You know, there's been small professional leagues that have started. I mean, look at, you know, the XFL, arena football. I mean, there's all these things on the men's side that looked like a good idea at the time. Somebody found the capital to do it. And for whatever reason, it, it just simply didn't stick. So I think that the thing, same, same thing could certainly happen on the women's side. I agree with you. I don't necessarily think it's a, a nefarious intent on anyone's part. But I think the revenue is there, that people are now willing to take risks, that the interest is there. It's still, as I mentioned, I think an undervalued space from a corporate partnerships perspective. And so if, if the money comes in and it provides opportunity for people to take some chances and try some growth and, and expansion, I think right now the, the climate is, is ripe for it to be successful. But I agree that there's no question that sometimes we, we do something that we think is going to work and it just simply doesn't. And we rebound and we demonstrate our resilience and we try something else. And everything we've talked about, all the improvements and all the greater attention, has anything of the last few years surprised you? Like where a women's league has caught on or or anything that you didn't think we would see or at least not see this quickly? Is there anything that jumps out at you? I think the um, the NWSL has been a really surprisingly positive development that I don't think I would have seen. I worked in professional soccer for about 17 years before I moved fully into higher education, and I worked with men's and women's aspiring professional players since about 2001. And there was always a consistent interest from women to try to find an opportunity to play professionally after college. And you know, WUSA was a was a league that existed a long time ago, and Philadelphia did have a team that existed in that league, and they, of course, uh, didn't last but a few years. And there were other small attempts in, you know, the United Soccer League had a division for women where they had like five divisions for men. So there were always small opportunities in the United States, but they never stuck. And so quite honestly, given my ex- my experience in the soccer industry, when the NWSL came on, the scene, I was happy to see an attempt uh, again and hopeful that it would stick and not go away in two or three years. But again, given my history in soccer, I, I was cautiously optimistic. And so I can see, I can sit here today and say that I'm very pleased to see that it's doing so well. Uh, again, we can go back to that news cycle, right? If you know the story about the NWSL and the issues that uh, a lot of players brought to bear in the last couple of years, it put them in the headlines. And it wasn't necessarily about the play on the field, but it was about a controversy and a very newsworthy topic off the field. And again, does that fuel interest? Who knows? But for whatever reason, it has come out of that. I'm trying to think how many teams are in that league now. Um, I think you've got 12. I think there's an opportunity for growth. The teams come from you know East Coast to West Coast, which is always interesting with a new league when you have to think about the travel uh, and the expense. That oftentimes is a significant reason why fledgling leagues don't last is because they they can't afford to travel uh, that many people from 
LA to Washington to uh, Kansas City. So to see the NWSL thriving and doing well, and hopefully some some room for some um, some expansion and growth there in the next couple of seasons, that's not something I would have thought would be a possibility, but really happy to see that it, that it is becoming one. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.